This is Trek FM. Hailing frequencies open. This is your Trek FM Hybrid Channel for Tuesday, August fifth, twenty fourteen. I'm Christopher Jones, and I have either one big story or a chain of tiny stories for you today, and that is our Star Trek Las Vegas 2014 recap. Another edition of Creation Entertainment's biggest Star Trek bash is in the books, and the countdown is now on as we wait for next year's gathering. It's one that I personally hope I'll be able to attend. I didn't get to make it this year. I came really close to pulling the trigger. I actually was on the site. I was about to purchase tickets. I did a lot of math about how much it would cost me to travel there from Japan, how much the hotels would cost, how much vendor space would cost at the expo for Treka Film as a network, and said, you know, this year it's going to be too difficult. So next year, I hope. The year after that, absolutely, because it's the 50th anniversary bash. But thankfully, StarTrek.com has recapped the events of the weekend for us, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. More than a hundred guests entertained fans over the course of four days, and the number of events crammed into that space was really incredible. From science panels with NASA to cast reunions to old school Vegas with the Star Trek Rat Pack, there was something for everyone. I'm going to recap some of the highlights from the convention for you and share my thoughts on them. I'm obviously not going to be recapping every single thing that happened every day, because there's just too much stuff. the、uh, The last one I mentioned there, by the way, the Rat Pack. It was I was watching Twitter at the time that was going on, and I saw so many people tweeting about it, and some people tweeting how they were so sad. It was the last song, and James Darren was up there singing, and they just didn't want the convention to end. I I can imagine how they feel. So day one, here are some of the highlights. Of course, I mentioned there were over a hundred guests lined up for this event, and on day one, one of the early events was Jordan Hoffman leading the first of Star Trek dot com's One Trek Mind Live panels, and this one was to determine Trek's best catchphrases. The way these One Trek Mind Live panels work is they'll have some kind of theme, and they try to pick the ten best of this or the ten、uh, best of that. I think it's usually ten that they do. This one was catchphrases, and number one was "Live long and prosper," and I have to agree on that one. I think that is the most iconic phrase from Star Trek. Number two, "Make it so." I can get that. Number three, resistance is futile. And one thing these top three have in common, and and I think possibly the third one most of all is that they are something that is known to society as a whole. Resistance is futile is something that even people who know almost nothing at all about Star Trek know this phrase, and maybe they don't even realize that. They know it from Star Trek and the Borg, but yet it's there. Number four gets into a little bit more Star Trek fandom with "I've given her all she got, Captain." So a little Scotty there, my my terrible Scottish accent. I can see、uh, our, our listeners in Scotland sending me messages right now, saying, "Don't ever do that again, Chris." <laughs> the fifth one, T Earl Grey, hot, definitely. Number six. 
Please state the nature of the medical emergency. That one's interesting to me because one thing that I find with StarTrek.com, you may have noticed as well, is that Voyager often really dominates the results. For a long time, we had a joke here on the network about StarTrek.com polls that Voyager would always win even if there was no Voyager option on the poll. They would somehow find a way to do a write-in vote or something. You know, who is your favorite character from the original Star Trek series? And number one would be Captain Janeway. <laughs> how? I don't know how that happened. So, so that's in there six, right in the middle of the pack. Also, number seven, today is a good day to die. Number eight, revenge is a dish best served cold. Number nine, there's coffee in that nebula, which I think should be the slogan of Starbucks. But Then there's also number 10, nuclear wessels. <laughs> Great line from the voyage home. So those were the picks there. I thought I would run down all of them for you because that's something very uh, much that you can actually let me know what you think about those. As the day went on, there was a panel in the afternoon in the Roddenberry Theater with Nichelle Nichols, which is wonderful. I, I am so glad that she's still taking part in conventions. They said that she sang for a bit, and she also talked about her work with uh, recruiting women and minorities for NASA for the space shuttle program and she was shocked someone reminded her that in two years it will be the 50th anniversary of Star Trek and she said I think that's great because I'll be 48 and uh, everyone laughed and she said that she can't believe it's 50 years of anything it's something that Gene Roddenberry gave as a gift to the world Star Trek yeah I couldn't agree more the day went on, LeVar Burton, Brent Spiner, and Michael Dorn got together. Carl Urban took the stage. He said he's super thrilled and super excited about the direction that the next film is going in. That one's interesting to me just because we're starting to see the Abrams-verse actors attend conventions a little bit more. This is an interesting one. Now, Harlan Ellison came back. He came back to Star Trek conventions and as Star Trek.com said, we can't reprint much, well, most of what he said, as he was his legendary, cantankerous, profane, uber honest self. That definitely sounds like Harlan Ellison, but it would have been great fun to be there and hear him speak. And he talked about the reputation that he's gotten because of the sort of the bad blood about the original script to The City on the Edge of Forever, which, of course, IDW is currently turning into a graphic novel. And he said, if it's a bad story about me, it's probably true. And he explained that his concept was really simple. The idea was a simple love story. Kirk was willing to sacrifice everything, the ship, the universe, everything, for the love of this woman. And famously, the story got changed quite a bit and then we got what we know on screen, and his original story was a bit different. And you can read the IDW series that's out right now. The second part of that is out, and you can see what the original story was. Later on on day one, there was a panel of the Women of TNG, where Marina Surtees, Gates McFadden, and Denise Crosby got together, and then they were crashed a bit later by Terry Farrell, who is starting to turn up at conventions a bit more. And then later that night in the Voodoo Lounge, there was the Borg Bingo Party, which sounds really interesting, a dinner dessert party. I can just picture Borg 
sitting around playing bingo. But it featured the Enterprise Blues Band, which is Bon Armstrong, Casey Biggs, and Steve Rankin. And there was a karaoke party as well. So that sounds like a lot of fun. Day two, there was a DS9 reunion. And this is what I've really been missing now for two years in a row, these DS9 reunions. I really want to be there. This one involved Kalmini, James Darren, Hana Hate. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. She played Molly on DS9. She's 24 years old now. and But you can tell, I mean, she looks like Molly, all grown up. Uh, Cole Meany said that what scared him was that she came up to him and she said, Hi, Daddy. <laughs> he said, I got a scare. And I was like, no, what, me? But that's my Molly, all grown up. That's fascinating to me that these kid actors from the series that we still watch constantly as Star Trek fans are now turning up at conventions and they're in their mid-twenties. Wow, makes me feel very old. So that was a cool thing. Also, Nana Visitor, Jeffrey Combs, Renee Abergenoy, and Terry Farrell were there as well. So a good group from the panel. And as I understand it, Avery Brooks was supposed to be there as well for several things over the weekend, but he fell ill and he couldn't make it. And so I hope he's doing better. So um, please send your thoughts to Avery. But there were a lot of DS9 actors there and uh, that's great. And then there was another One Trek Mind live panel. And this one was to determine the 10 best Klingons. I'm not gonna go into that one here because we actually talked about it on the Ready Room that we just recorded yesterday which will be out next week, so you'll have to wait a little while to hear it. I will tell you that Worf came in number one, and Martok came in number two. So those were the top two. But uh, we share our thoughts on that on the Ready Room coming up. Now here's a cool combination. Harlan Ellison and Grace Lee Whitney took the stage together. Great combo associated with the original series. And then Star Trek.com presented Next Gen into High Definition The Final Voyage, and that was a panel with Roger Lay Jr. and also James Conway and Mike and Denise Okuda talking about the remastering of The Next Generation. The third day, which would have been Saturday, just jam-packed, as you would expect on a weekend, 15 hours nonstop of Star Trek events. I don't know if I can make it through that from start to finish, personally. Uh, The focus was on costumes and cosplay that day. Enterprise and Voyager, they got a lot of attention. There was another One Trek Mind live session. This topic was best post-Trek roles. This one I found really unusual. Uh, Number one was Patrick Stewart as Professor X in the X-Men. Number two was William Shatner as Denny Crane. And number three was Kate Mulgrew as Red from Orange is the New Black. That... I guess it doesn't really surprise me because that show is really fresh in everyone's minds right now. It's hard to put these things in order, and there are so many things that maybe should have been on there that aren't, and others that are, but maybe should be in a different order. Uh, So I'll put a link in the show notes to this article. I'm going to put a link to all these articles, actually. There are four of them on StarTrek.com, and you can go see the full lineup of who everyone picked with the help of Jordan Hoffman. They are best post-Trek roles. There's also a panel called Star Trek to the Stars, How Star Trek Influences Science Fact. This was moderated by Mike Okuda. 
It included a number of people from the Jet Propulsion Laboratories, uh, Bobak Ferdosi, Rob Zimmerman, and Lyle Tavernier, as well as Tracy Drain of Flight System Engineering Group. And uh, they talk, that's a cool panel, actually, talking about how Star Trek influences science fact, because I think it really, really does. I mean, of course, some of the things at one point in time maybe seemed like science fiction, they're now science fact. And Star Trek had a big influence on those as well. And who knows what the future will bring. Later on, Brandon Braga took the stage and he talked about a lot of things. One thing he talked about was Seven of Nine and her role on Voyager. That's another thing we talked about on this new Ready Room that we recorded. So I'm not going to talk about that here. He did mention Michael Piller wanted him to work on DS9, but Braga chose to stay with the next generation. He said that was the right decision. Ron Moore and I wrote the last episode of TNG, and I think it was our finest work. And yeah, I might agree on that, actually. I, I They wrote a lot of great stuff. I do think that All Good Things was better work than Generations, even though I do like Generations. I think they each wrote other Star Trek episodes that are right up there in quality with All Good Things, but All Good Things was just the perfect storm of, of writing and everything. So it really is hard to top that one. Uh, He mentioned the Enterprise finale, that episode whose name shall not be spoken, the episode that shall not be named. These are the voyages. Don't tell anyone I said that. And (laughs) I, I don't consider it the finale of Enterprise anyway, but he said the final episode was an idiotic move on my part. He also mentioned that it was the only time that Scott Bakula ever really got upset with him. I can understand Uh, If I were lead cast on that show and that's the script I got as my final episode, I wouldn't be happy either. Speaking of Enterprise, later on, John Billingsley was ready to pose for shots with his castmates, Scott Bakula, Anthony Montgomery, Connor Trenier, Dominique Keating. They were all there. And later on, they were on the stage and they were joined. This is interesting. The Zindi arc in Enterprise is sort of controversial. You know, some people love it. Some people hate it. I happen to like it, but I like it more now than I did when it was on. Anyway, these guys were joined by people from that arc. Stephen Culp, Tucker Smallwood. Also, Roger Lay Jr. was there again to moderate this. And it was a panel that Creation called Close-Up Enterprise, The Zindi Saga. So it's good to see The Zindi Saga getting a little love there. Or The Zindi Arc, as I call it. I, I actually never use the word saga with it myself. Uh, Going on through the day, John Paladin, the makeup artist, was there. He turned Max Grudinchik and Aaron Eisenberg into Rom and Nog. Robert Blackman was there as well, the the award-winning costume designer from Star Trek who is responsible for so much of just what immediately springs to mind for all of us when we think of Starfleet officers and the uniforms and, and all the costume design on the series. There was another panel with Doug Drexler, as well as Ronald B. Moore, not Ronald D. Moore, but Ronald B. Moore, who was the special effects coordinator and supervisor on the shows. And uh, they talked about, you know, bringing Star Trek to life in that way. Of course, Doug Drexler, designer of the NX-01, as well as artist responsible for so many aspects of Star Trek. Uh, There are a number of shows here on the network, actually, where Doug has joined me to talk about those things and you can hear stories about Deep Space Nine, some of the things they did there. If you go check out uh, Warp 
five early episodes. I think it was the first episode, actually. No, not the first one. Um, one of the, maybe the third episode of Warp 5, I believe, we had Doug on. Uh, the first episode was Dave Rossi. Second episode was Brandon Braga. So I think it was maybe the third one. Um, also, the first episode of Continuing Mission, however, Doug joined me there as well. So uh, check those out if you want to hear about some of these things. Also, this is really cool. Michael Westmore was there with Terry Farrell, and he painted the Dax spots on her for the 539th time. And they have t-shirts that say Dax 539 on them. Really cool. And to go a step further, Terry Farrell later put on the Dax wedding dress from You Are Cordially Invited, which is 35 pounds of leather. (laughs) But she put that on again, and she looks fantastic. There are photos of that at StarTrek.com. Wow, that's, boy, memories of when DS9 first aired. Later on, Voyager got some more attention. Kate Mulgrew, Ethan Phillips, and Tim Russ were there. Garrett Wong joined them later on. They had a great chat. And then at night, there was a costume contest. And this was judged by Doug Drexler, Michael Westmore, Robert Blackman. And they were going to have a winner that would get $1,000. Then also second prize, $500. Third prize, $250. Apparently, there was a tie And they awarded two first prizes, $1,000 each to those winners. The person who did a Baylock costume was one of the first prize winners. And this was a costume where he has the, 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 the head that you see on that Kirk saw on the view screen from the Corbomite maneuver, right? And then about halfway down, there's actually the little, the actual person there that was um, Clint Howard coming out. So that was a really cool costume and it was done by Jeff Gaunt. And he shared first prize with King and Lori Oberlin and they were the ones who did the Borg Queen and Drone costume set. So if you go to StarTrek.com in this article for uh, day three, you can see photos of that. And then the day wrapped up with Meet the Devs, a Star Trek online event with dessert and cocktails was a party. And also the Nevada Pops Orchestra was there. And uh, Ron Jones himself served as guest conductor. And if you don't recognize Ron Jones's name, he's responsible for uh, not all, but a large portion of the music of Star Trek The Next Generation. Finally, on day four, and by this time, I have to imagine everyone is just going on pure adrenaline because you'd have to be exhausted by day four. I mean, I've been to conferences that didn't even involve Star Trek in this many events. And by the fourth day, I'm tired and ready to go. And I'm just kind of making my way through the convention center and the hotel there. So on day four, there was one more One Trek Mind live panel. And this time... They were picking the biggest Star Trek jerk. The winner was Q. The runner-up was Captain Jellicoe. Then, who else is on the list here? I'm not going to read them all. You can go to StarTrek.com and see all of them. But the ones that stand out for me are Brunt, the Ferengi, who's always after Quark on DS9, and Admiral Nechayev, who I think is the ultimate. She is the poster child for Badmirals. She's the president of the Badmirals Association. So she's on there. She's number five. 
I'd probably make her number one, actually. Although Kai Wen is on there too, and so a little bit a little bit hard to choose between Kai Wen and Nachayev, but Q number one, I don't know. I mean, Q is he a jerk? I mean, he's kind of a jerk, but he's also lovable. And I think to be the biggest Star Trek jerk, you can't really be lovable. So I don't know if I would put him number one myself. So that went on. There was a NASA panel to boldly go. Then David Gerald came on and talked about script writing. Harlan Ellison was back. He joined Walter Koenig on stage. And then William Shatner, who you may know was recently injured in a horse riding accident, he came out on stage with one crutch. He uh, sat down in the director's chair and he joked, this is the result of a young horse and an old rider. And then Robert O'Reilly and J.G. Hertzler, they took the stage in their full Galron and Martok makeup put on a great show. They sang Klingon songs. And now this is a rare convention appearance right here. Camille Saviola, who played Kai Opaka in Emissary and, and some of the very early episodes of DS9, you know, she was killed off very early on in Battle Lines. She was actually there. That Now that's something I would definitely like to see in person because you don't get to see her very often at all. And then things wrapped up with what I mentioned at the top of the show, the Star Trek Rat Pack, Mac Grodenchik, Von Armstrong, Jeffrey Combs, and Casey Biggs. James Darren was there as well. He performed Come Fly With Me. I think that's the piece that I saw someone tweeting about on Twitter. And wow, I, I love jazz. I used to play jazz. And as much as I talk about these other panels that I want to see, like DS9 reunions and things like that, the Rat Pack. One of these days, I have to see the Rat Pack perform. That, that has to be a treat, and what a way to close out the convention. One thing not recapped by Star Trek.com, by the way, while we're talking about music, is the fact that our friends from Five Year Mission were the house band for the convention. And uh, Star Trek.com didn't mention them anywhere in the articles that I read, which is too bad, because I know fans must have really enjoyed having them there playing. I did see a lot of tweets about it, and, and that's wonderful. And I hope that they're there again next year and I get to see them in person. Well, that's it. This is a long show today, but I wanted to just wrap up everything that happened at Star Trek Las Vegas. And, and, and like I said, these are only highlights. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, four links, in fact, to four separate articles on Star Trek.com. They did a great job of really taking you through what happened and giving you a narrative as well, which I didn't really do so much today. I didn't give you the kind of narrative that they do in the article. So go over there, read these. They have lots of photos as well. And let me know if you were at Star Trek Las Vegas, what was your favorite moment from the event? And if you weren't there, which of these things that I talked about today would you have most liked to have seen? You can find me on Twitter. My username is C, Brian Jones, the letter C, and Brian with a Y. I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash C, Brian Jones. Feel free to hit me up there. And you can find the network as well. We're on Twitter. TrekFM is our username. Facebook.com slash TrekFM. We have a community on G+. We have forums at trek.fm slash forums. You can send me a voicemail through the website or by going to speakpipe.com slash trekfm. And of course, we have a contact form, trek.afilm slash contact. Now, I do have a network update for you as well to close out this very long edition of Hyper Channel. 
We've had a slew of new shows since the last time that I was here with you. I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of what they are. There's a new Warp 5, Riding the Harmonica Out of the Show, where Sebastian Pruth and I talk about North Star. Mike and Max have a new episode of Commentary Trek Stars called Mike, Max, Blue and Green, where they recap their series about Will Wheaton and his work on television after Star Trek. There's a new episode of Melodic Treks called Exile in Vegas, where Colin talks about composer Jerry Fielding, who wrote the music for Spectre of the Gun and The Trouble with Tribbles. And there's a new episode of Literary Treks called Data Equals Saffron, where Matthew Rushing, Dan Gunther, and I are joined once again by author Jeffrey Lang to talk about his new book, The Light Fantastic. And lastly, there is a new episode of Standard Orbit called The Steve Lions of Star Trek, where Mike and Drew talk all about Pavel Chekhov. So you'll find all of these episodes in your feeds right now if you subscribe to the individual feeds for each show or to the Trek of Film Complete Master Feed, and you can find these everywhere you get your podcasts. Just look up Trek.fm or the name of the show you want to listen to, and you'll find us there. Plus, you can stream from our website and grab the RSS link. One last quick reminder before I let you go, our reviews promotion is still going on, so head over and review Hyper Channel and all the other shows you listen to here on the network, as well as the Master Feed, and you can do this in iTunes and on Stitcher. Every review you leave will get you an entry in a drawing for some great Star Trek prizes. You can find out all about it at trek.fm slash review. After you leave your reviews, you need to submit the form that you find on that page. And also a quick note, be sure to leave different reviews for each show. Don't leave the same review for every single show because I'm a little concerned that that might actually raise a red flag within iTunes with Apple because it's a little bit odd to have the same review being left over and over and over like that. I know it's easy to do it that way, uh, but really it's best to help other fans as well by letting them know what you think about the specific show, what's unique about that show. So uh, thanks everyone who's left reviews so far. I hope everyone else will get in on the promotion here. Again, leave reviews in iTunes or on Stitcher. You can do both and you can review whatever you listen to and the master feed and every entry will get you a chance in the drawing. And after you leave the reviews, trek.fm slash review is the page that you need to go to. Well, that's all I have for you today. Coming up on 30 minutes here. Thanks for sticking with me so long today for this double-linked edition of Hyper Channel. I hope to see you all at Star Trek Las Vegas next year. Let's get planning. Let's make sure we're there. So thanks for listening today, and I'll be back next time with some more stories for you. Until then, go watch some Trek. Trek.